Book One, Chapter Forty One of A Mightiest of Gaul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ted Garvin. Amadis of Gaul by Vasco de Ribera. Translated by Robert Salvi. Book One, Chapter Forty Three. Showing how Don Florestan was the son of King Perion by a fair damsel, daughter to the Count of Salandia. This valiant and hardy knight, Don Florestan, you should know how and in what land he was begotten, and by whom. Know then that when King Perion, being a young man and of good heart, sought adventures, he passed two years in Germany, doing great deeds in arms, and as he was returning with great glory to his own land, he lodged one day with the Count of Salandia, where he was right worshipfully entertained, and at night he was shewn to a rich bed, and there being weary with his journey fell asleep. Ere long he felt a damsel embracing him, and her mouth joined to his, and waking thereat was drawing back, but she cried out, how is this sir would you rather be alone in the bed the king then looked at her by his chamber light and saw the fairest woman that ever he saw tell me quoth he who you are she answered one that loves you and gives you her love first tell me your name why do you distress me with a question i must know i am the count's daughter then the king said it becomes not a woman of your rank to commit this folly i tell you i will not do this wrong to your father ah quoth she ill betide those who praise your goodness you are the worst man in the world and the most discourteous what goodness can there be in you when you thrust away a fair lady of such lineage king perion answered i shall do that which is to your honour and my own not what would injure both then quoth she i will do that which shall grieve my father more than if you consent to my will and she leapt up and took King Perion's sword, that same sword which was lain in the ark with Amadis, and unsheathed it, and placed the point against her heart. Will not my father grieve more for my death? When the king saw that, he was greatly astonished, and he sprang from the bed, crying, Hold! I will perform your will! And he snatched the sword from her, and that night she became pregnant. On the morrow, Perion departed, and never saw her more she so long as she could concealed her situation and when the time drew nigh contrived to go visit her aunt with one damsel but as she was passing through a forest her pains came on her and she alighted from her palfrey and there brought forth a son the damsel seeing her in this plight put the baby to her breast now lady said she the same courage that you showed in sinning show now in supporting yourself till i return and then she mounted her palfrey, and rode on as fast as she could to the aunt's castle, and told her all that had happened. The dame was greatly troubled, yet delayed not for that to succor her, but went forthwith with a litter, wherein she used to visit her brother to shade her from the sun, and when she saw her niece she alighted, and wept with her, and had her placed with the infant in the litter, and taken by night into the castle, and enjoined secrecy to all who were with her. So the mother returned after her recovery to the Count's castle, and nothing was known of what had passed, and the boy was educated till he was of eighteen years, a braver youth, and better limbed than any other in the district. And the dame his aunt, seeing this, gave him horse and arms, and took him to the Count to knight him, who knew not that he whom he was knighting was his own grandson. As they were returning, the dame told him the secret of his birth, 
and said he ought to go seek his father and make himself known to him. Certes, lady, quoth he, I have often heard of King Perion, but never thought he was my father. But by the faith I owe to God, and to you who have brought me up, neither he nor any one else shall know who I am, till they can say that I am worthy to be the son of so good a man. Then taking his leave, he went with two squires to Constantinople, where he heard there was a cruel war. There he remained four years, and did such deeds and arms as never knight had wrought before in those parts, so that at the end of that time he determined to go and discover himself to his father. But as he drew nearer France, he heard the fame of Amadis and Galor, who were now beginning to work wonders, so that he changed his first intention, and resolved to gain more honor in Great Britain, where there were more good knights than in any part of the world, and that he would not make himself known till his prowess had given him sufficient renown, in which mind he continued till his combat with Galor, as you have heard. Amadis and Agraeus remained five days at the castle of Torian. Then all things being prepared, they set forward with Briolania and her aunt, who took with them two damsels and five serving men, on horseback and three palfreys laden with apparel, for Briolania went in black, and would wear nothing else till her father's death was avenged. As they began their journey, Briolania requested a boon of Amadis, and her aunt another of Agraeus, the which they granted, without knowing what it might be. They then demanded that let what would happen, the knights should not leave the road, that so their present quest might not be interrupted. Much did they repent their promise, and great shame did they endure thereby, for in many places was their succor needed, and rightly might they have bestirred themselves if they had been at liberty. Thus they travelled twelve days before they entered the kingdom of Sobradisa. It was night when they reached it, they left the high road, and struck by a byway for three leagues. And then, great part of the night being passed, they came to a little castle, where a lady dwelt named Galumba, who had served in the court of the king, Briolania's father. She right joyfully admitted them, and set supper before them, and provided their night's entertainment, and the next morning asked the aunt whither they were going. A joyful woman was she, hearing that those knights were going to revenge her master's death. But I fear, said she, lest that traitor should destroy them by some deceit. For that reason, said the old lady, am I come to consult with you. Leave it to me, quoth Galumba. Then she took ink and parchment, and wrote a letter, and sealed it with Briolania's seal, and gave it to a damsel, and directed her what she should do. The damsel mounted her palfrey, and rode on till she came to the great city of Sobradisa, from whence the whole kingdom took its name. She went directly to the palace of Abiseos, and rode through the gate, being richly apparelled. The knights came around to assist her to dismount, but she said no, she would not alight till the king saw her, and commanded her so to do. They then took her bridle, and led her into a hall where the king was, with his sons and many other knights and he bade her alight if she had anything to say. She answered, I will, sir, on condition that you protect me, and that I shall suffer no injury for anything that I may say against you, or against any other here. The king assured her that she should be under his protection and royal faith, and bade her deliver what she was come to say. Upon that she alighted, and said, Sir, I bring a message which must be delivered in the presence of all the chiefs of your realm. Summon them, and it shall be made known. Quoth Abiseos, it is as you would wish. They are already in my court, and have been assembled on business these six days. Call them together, said she. Forthwith they were summoned, and being all met, the damsel then said, King, Briolania, 
she whom you disinherited sends you this letter to be read before this assembly when abiseos heard the name of his niece he was touched with shame and remembering the wrong he had wrought her yet the letter was openly read which was to give credit to the damsel's words to this he only replied that they were not to believe what the damsel might say on briolania's behalf but the people of the realm who were there present were moved with great compassion at the name of their lawful lady who was so unjustly dispossessed and they besought god secretly that he would no longer suffer so great a treason to remain unpunished give your errand quoth the king sir king said the damsel it is true that you killed the father of briolania and have disinherited her of her kingdom and you have often declared that you and your sons would justify what you have done by force of arms briolania now sends to say that if you hold your word she will bring here two knights who will undertake the battle in her cause and make you know your treason and great tyranny when darasion the eldest of the sons heard this he arose in great anger being of a hot nature and without his father's permission replied damsel if briolania has these knights i promise the combat for myself and for my father and brother and if i do not perform this i promise before all these knights to give my head to her that she may take it in requital of her father's certes darasion answered the damsel you answer like a knight of great courage yet may i doubt your words to proceed from choler for i see you are enraged but if you will obtain from the king an assurance of your words i shall think they proceed from that great worth and hardihood which are in you what would you have quoth he cause the king she replied to give our knights assurance that for any mishap which you may receive in the battle they shall sustain no injury from any in this land nor be meddled withal but by you three give them this safe conduct and they will be here within three days darasion knelt down before his father you see sir what the damsel requests and what i have promised and because my honour is yours let it be granted else they will without danger have put us to shame for we have always avowed that if any one attainted your deeds we would justify it in battle and even without the promise we ought to accept the defiance for they tell me these knights are some of king lisuarte's rash household whose pride and folly makes them magnify their own worth and despise all others the king albeit he felt himself guilty of his brother's murder and dreaded the battle yet because he loved his son as he did himself gave the safe conduct as the damsel had demanded the hour appointed by the most high being come the damsel having accomplished this said hold yourselves ready for to-morrow the knights will be here and then she mounted her palfrey and departed much were the ladies and the knights rejoiced at the success of her embassy when amadis heard that darasion held them as fools because they were of king lisuarte's household he grew angry and exclaimed there are those in that household who could easily break his pride and his head too but when he had said this he was ashamed that he had been so mastered by anger briolania who could not keep her eyes off him observed this and said you cannot sir either say or do anything against those traitors which they have not deserved and worse have pity on me since you know my father's murder and my wrongs my trust is in god and in you amadis whose heart was submiss to virtue and all gentleness moved with pity for that fair damsel answered if god be so pleased lady i ween that ere to-morrow night your sorrow will be turned into joy then briolania would for thankfulness have humbled herself to have kissed his feet but he drew back abashed and agraeus raised her up they determined to set forward by daybreak and hear mass at the chapel of the three fountains which was half a league from sobordisa 
That night they made good cheer, and Briolania, who talked much with Amadis, was often moved to offer marriage to him. But seeing his frequent reveries, and the tears that sometimes fell down his cheeks, which she knew proceeded from no fear in his brave heart, she suspected that he loved elsewhere, and so refrained. At dawn they all departed, and arriving at the three fountains, heard mass from the good hermit, who hearing their wherefore they were on their way, besought God to speed them well in the battle, as he knew their cause was right. There they armed themselves all save the head and hands, and so proceeded to the city. Without the walls they found King Abiseos and his sons, and a great company attending them. The people all flocked towards Briolania, whom in their hearts they loved, thinking her their rightful and natural lady. Amadis led her bridle and uncovered her face, that all might see her how beautiful she was. She was weeping, and the multitude blessed her in their hearts, and prayed that she might now be restored to her rights. Abiseos disassembled a feeling from which neither his ambition nor his wickedness could shield him, and seeing how the people flocked around Briolania, he exclaimed, Fools! I see how you rejoice in her sight, but it is to your honor and safety that a knight like me should protect you, not a weak woman, who in so long a time has only been able to get these two knights for her champions, whom, because they are thus deceitfully brought to their death or dishonor, I cannot forbear to pity. These words so kindled the indignation of Amadis, that blood seemed starting from his eyes, he rose in his stirrups that all might hear him, and answered King Ambaseos, I will see how the coming of Briolania troubles you, because you have murdered her father, who was your king and brother. If there be yet virtue enough in you to resign to her what is her own, I will excuse the battle, that you may have leisure for repentance, that, though you have lost your honor in this world, you may save your soul. Before the king could reply, Darasion exclaimed, Thou foolish knight of King Lorsuarte's court, I never thought I could endure to hear a speech like thine. Come on, and if your heart fails, you cannot fly where I cannot reach you with such a vengeance, that none can behold it without compassion. Arm thyself, traitor, and do battle. Quoth Agrayes. Darasion answered, Say what thou wilt now. Presently I will send thy tongue without thy body to King Lesuarte's court, as a warning to all such fools. Then they armed themselves, and Amadis and Agrayes laced on their helmets, and took their shields and spears, and entered the place which had been of yours marked out for such trials. Drummies, the second son, who was so good a knight that no two knights of that country could keep the field against him, said to his father, Sir, where you and my brother are present, I might well be excused from speaking, but now I have to act with that strength which I have received from God in you. Leave that knight who has reviled you to me. If I do not slay him with the first lance thrust, may I never again bear arms. Or if it be his good fortune that the spear does not strike right, the first blow with the sword shall do it. There were many who heard this speech, and did not think it vain boasting. He was of such exceeding strength. Darasion looked round the list. How is this, quoth he, ye are but two. Hath the heart of the third failed him? Call him to come directly, for we will not tarry. Trouble not yourself with the third, said Amadis. You will presently wish the second away. Now look to your defense. They placed their shields before them, and gave their horses the rein. Dramis ran right at Amadis and pierced his shield and broke his lance against his side. But Amadis smote him so roughly that the spear went through his shield, and without piercing his breastplate, burst his heart within him, and he fell like the fall of a tower. In God's name, cried Ardian the dwarf, my master's deed is better than his word. The other twain ran at Agrayes. 
he and Darosion broke their lances upon each other, and both kept their seats. Abiseos failed in his course, he saw Dramus on the ground, and in great grief, albeit he did not suppose him to be dead, ran full at Amadis, and pierced his shield, and broke the lance in his arm, so that all thought he could not continue the battle. Well may you think how Briolania felt at that, her heart sunk, and the sight of her eyes failed her, and without support she would have fallen from her palfrey. But he, who was not to be dismayed by such wounds, grasped well that good sword which he had so lately recovered from Archelaus, and struck Abiseos upon the helm. Through helm it went, and slanted down the head, and pierced into the shoulder, a slant wound, but so staggering that Abiseos tottered on his seat, and fell half senseless. Then he of Gaul rode up to Darosion, who was close engaged with Argraeus. Now, Darosion, you had rather the second were absent, than that the third were come. Agraeus cried out to him, To hold, cousin, you have done enough. Leave me this man who has threatened to cut out my tongue. Amadis did not hear him. He had made a blow which sliced off a part of the shield, and came through the pummel of the saddle to the horse's neck. But Darosion, as he passed, ran his sword into the belly of Amadis's horse. The horse instantly ran away, the reins broke in the rider's hand, and Amadis, seeing that he had no remedy, and that he should be carried out of the list, struck the beast between the ears with his sword, and split his head. The fall bruised him sorely, but he arose and turned to Abiseos. At this time Agraeus had driven his sword into Darosion's helmet, so that he could not recover it. Darosion had forced it from his hand, and was driving at him. Agraeus grappled him. They fell together and struggled on the ground. Abiseos came up, and was lifting the skirts of his armor to thrust his sword into him. Amadis came up in time. The king was compelled to look to his own safety. He lifted his shield, the blow dashed shield against helmet, and made him reel. Agraeus and Darasion had loosed each other. Agraeus caught up Darasion's sword. Darasion plucked the other from his helm, and ran towards his father. Amadis saw that Agraeus was all bloody from a wound in his neck, and fearing it was mortal, he cried, Leave them to me, good cousin, and rest yourself. I have no wound, quoth Agraeus, to keep me from aiding you. See if it be so. Have it them, then, cried Amadis. But the fear he felt for his cousin gave him such anger, that presently his enemies, their armor all hacked, and their flesh too, began to turn here and there disorderly, and with the fear of death. So it continued till the hour of Tyrs, when Abiseos, seeing death before him, lifted his sword in both hands, and ran desperately at Amadis, and gave him a blow such as might not be looked for from a man so wounded. It cut away the brim of the helmet, and the shoulder mail, and a part of the flesh with it. Amadis felt it sorely, and did not delay to give him his wages. He struck his shoulder, and lopped off that arm with which he had murdered his own king and brother. Arm and shoulder he lopped off, and cried out, that arm brought thee by treason to the throne, and it now brings thee to death into the depth of hell. The king had fallen in the pangs of death. Amadis looked round him, and saw that Agraeus had smitten off the head of Darasion. Then the people of the land went joyfully to kiss the hand of Briolania, their lady. The conquerors dragged their enemies out of the list. Amadis, though he was much wounded, would not disarm himself till he knew if there were any to gainsay Briolania's right. But one of the chiefs of the realm, by name Goman, came before him with an hundred men of his lineage and household, and they declared that they had only endured the usurpation of Abiseos, because they had no remedy. Now God had delivered them, 
they were in that loyalty and vassalage which they owed to Briolania. Within eight days all the kingdom came joyfully to do homage to her. Amadis, meanwhile, was laid in bed, and that fair queen never left him but when she went to sleep herself. Agrayes, who was dangerously wounded, was put under the care of a skilful man, who suffered none to approach him, that he might not speak, for the wound was in his throat. Chapter 44 How Don Galor and Florestan, going towards the kingdom of Sobradisa, met three damsels at the fountain of the elm trees. Don Galor and Florestan remained in the castle of Corisanda till their wounds were well healed, then took they their departure, but Corisanda made such sorrow that it was pitiful to see her, albeit Florestan comforted her and assured her of his speedy return. They crossed to the mainland and proceeded towards Sobradisa, hoping to arrive there before the battle. Brother, quoth Florestan, as they rode along, grant me a boon for courtesy. Sir, and good brother, cried Galor, is it a thing that I shall repent? You will not repent it, said Florestan. Ask it then, for what I can grant without shame I shall grant with good will. I ask then that you will attempt no combat in this journey till I have tried my fortune. Certes, quoth Galor, I repent. Not so, replied Florestan, for if there be any worth in me, it is to your honor as well as to mine. Four days they rode without adventure. On the fifth at evening they came to a tower. A knight, who stood at the court gate, courteously invited them for the night, and there were they worshipfully entertained. The knight, their host, was a fair knight and a wise, and of goodly stature, but oftentimes he appeared so lost in thought and sadness that the brethren asked each other what it might mean, and Don Galor at last said to him, Sir, methinks you are not so cheerful as you should be. If your sadness is for any cause which our aid can remedy, tell us, and we will do your will. Many thanks, replied he of the tower. I believe you would do so like good knights, but my sadness proceeds from the force of love, and I will not tell you more now, for it would be to my own great shame. The hour of sleeping came on, their host went to his apartment, and the brethren remained in a handsome chamber where there were two beds. In the morning he rode to bear them company, but unarmed and that he might see whether they were such in arms as their appearance bespoke them. He led them not along the high road, but through byways, till they came to a place called the Fountain of the Three Elms, for there were three great and lofty elm trees above the fountain. Three fair damsels, and well apparelled, were by the fountain, and there was a dwarf aloft in the trees. Florestein went first and saluted them gently, as a courteous man, and one who had been gently bred. God save you, sir knight, quoth the one, if you are as brave as you are handsome, God hath gifted you well. Damsel, he replied, if my beauty pleaseth you, my courage would please you more if it were put to proof. You answer well, quoth she, see now if your courage be enough to carry me from hence. Certes, quoth Florestan, little goodness is enough for that, since it is your pleasure, I will do it. He then bade his squires place her upon a palfrey, which was tied to one of the elms, when the dwarf, who was sitting up in the trees, cried out aloud, Come forth, knights, come forth, they are carrying away your mistress. At these words a knight, well armed and on a great horse, came up from the valley, and cried out to Florestan, Knight, who bid you lay your hands upon that damsel? I do not think she can be yours, replied Florestan, seeing of her own will she desired me to carry her hence. The knight answered, Though she consent, I do not, and I have defended her against better than you. I know not how that may be, but unless you act up to your words, carry her away I will. 
learn first what the knights of the valley are and how they defend their mistresses with that they ran at each other and florestan smote his shield so strongly against his helmet that the laces brake and the helmet came off the knight could not keep his seat he fell upon his sword and broke it in two florestan turned his horse and pointed his lance at him you are dead unless you yield the damsel i yield her quoth he and cursed be she and the day wherein i first beheld her for she made me commit so many follies that at last i have destroyed myself florestan left him and went to the damsel saying you are mine you have well won me quoth she and may do with me as you please let us go then said he but one of the other damsels then said to him sir knight you are parting good company we have been a year together and it grieves us to be separated said florestan if you choose to go in my company i will take you also otherwise you must be separated for i will not leave so fair a damsel as this and if she be fair quoth the damsel neither do i esteem myself so ugly but that knight should venture something for me also but i believe you are not of that temper what cried he think you that i would leave you here for fear so help me as i would have done so only to respect your free will but you shall see he bade the squires place her also on her palfrey and the dwarf who set up aloft cried out again for help presently there came another knight from the valley and said to florestan don cavalier you have won one damsel and not content with her you would carry off another you must therefore lose both and your head too for it is not fit that a knight of such degree as you should have in your keeping a damsel of such rank you praise yourself bountifully quoth florestan yet had i rather have two knights of my kin for my helpers than thee i neither regard thee nor them said the knight you have won this damsel from him who could not defend her if i conquer thee she shall be she shall be mine if the victory is yours you shall take the other whom i defend content quoth florestan defend yourself now if you can said he of the valley and they ran their encounter the knight pierced through florestan's shield and broke his lance against the strong mail florestan failed in the race ashamed of that when the knight had taken from his squire another lance he ran again and pierced the shield of his antagonist and the arm that held it and drove him back upon the crupper of his horse the horse reared and threw him and the ground being hard he neither moved hand nor foot damsel said florestan you are mine for methinks your friend can neither help you nor himself so it seems quoth she florestan looked at the other damsel who now remained alone by the fountain and saw that she was very sad damsel said he if it please you i will not leave you alone here she did not answer him but said to his host go from hence i counsel you you know that these knights are not enough to protect you from him who will presently be here and if he take you you are sure to die i will see what may happen he answered my horse is swift and my tower at hand ah said she take care of yourself you are but three and you unarmed you well know that is nothing against him when florestan heard this he became more desirous to carry away that damsel and see him whom she praised so greatly so he had her also placed on her palfrey and the dwarf who sat up aloft said don cavalier in an ill hour are you so bold here comes one who shall take vengeance for all and then he shouted out help help sir you linger too long presently there came another knight from the same valley his armor was inlaid with gold and he rode upon a bay horse big enough for a giant two squires came after him armed with corslets and morions like serving men and each carried a huge battle-axe in his hand in the use of which weapon their master prided himself 
he cried out to Florestan, Stay, knight, and seek not to fly, for it will not save you. Die you must, and it is better die like a brave man than like a coward. When Florestan heard himself threatened, he waxed wondrous angry and cried out, Come on, wretch, and rascal, and clumsy fool. So help me God, as I fear thee no more than a great cowardly beast. Ah, quoth the knight, how it grieves me that I cannot wreak sufficient vengeance upon thee, would that the best four of thy lineage were here, that I might cut off their heads with thine. Protect yourself from one, cried Florestan, you may dispense with the rest. Then, being both greatly incensed, they ran at each other, and the shields and the mails of both were pierced with the violence of the encounter. The large knight lost both his stirrups, and was fain to save himself by clinging round his horse's neck. Florestan, as he passed on, caught at one of the battle-axes, and plucked it with such force from the squire who held it, that both the man and his horse were brought to the ground. The knight of the valley had recovered his seat, and was ready with the other battle-axe, and Florestan made at him with equal arms. Both struck at once, each on the helmet of his enemy. The axes went in three fingers' depth. Florestan bowed his face upon his breast with the weight of the blow. The knight fell upon the neck of his horse, and the axe, being fast in the other's helmet, slipped from his hand. Before he could raise himself, Florestan smote him as he lay between the helm and gorget, so that his head fell at the horse's feet. This done, he turned to the damsels. Certes, good knight, quoth the first of them, I once thought that not ten such as you could have won us. The young knight, their host, then came up to Florestan, and said, Sir, I love this damsel dearly, and she loves me. It is a year since this knight whom you have slain hath forcibly detained her, so that I could not see her. Now that I may receive her from your hands, I beseech you refuse me not. My host, quoth Florestan, of a truth I will right gladly aid you, if it be as you say, but against her will I will yield her to none. Ah, sir, cried the damsel, this is with my will. I beseech you give me to him, he is my true love. Florestan answered, In God's name, dispose of yourself as you like best, and she went joyfully to her true love. Galaor then gave his horse to their friend, and took the bay horse of the dead knight, which was the handsomest he had ever seen. And then they separated. The two damsels whom Florestan had won were young and fair. He took the one to himself, and gave the other to Galaor. I give you to this knight, said he, and command you to do as he pleases. What, quoth she, do you give me to this knight, who is not the heart of a woman, who stood by and saw you in such danger, and did not help you? Damsel, answered Florestan, by my faith to God and to you, I swear that I give you to the best knight whom I know in the world, except it be Amadis my lord. The damsel then looked at Galor, and seeing him so handsome and so young, she marvelled at his worth, and granted him her love. That night they had their lodging at the house of a lady, sister to their last night's host. On the morrow they resumed their road, and said to their fair friends, We have a long journey to perform through foreign lands, where you would endure many hardships in following us. Tell us where you would like best to go, and there we will conduct you. They replied that their aunt had a castle four days' journey on that road whither they would go. As they proceeded, Galor asked his damsel how she came into the power of those knights. She answered, That great knight who was slain loved the damsel who went with your host, but she hated him. He took her by force, for he was the best knight in all these parts, and none could gainsay him. Yet she would never yield him her love, and he, for the affection he bore her, 
withheld from offering her any wrong and he said to her my fair friend great reason is it that i should be loved by you being the best knight in the world now i will do this for your sake there is a knight who is called the best that ever was amadis of gaul by name and he slew my cousin dardan in king lisuarte's court i will find him and cut off his head and then shall I inherit all his renown till i do this i will give you two of the fairest damsels in all the land for your companions and they shall have the two best knights of my lineage for their friends and you shall every day be taken to the fountain of the three elms where many errant knights pass that you may see brave jousting and learn to love me as i love you he then took us by force and gave us to his kinsmen and thus had we passed a year till don florestan broke the bonds that knight quoth galore had a haughty mind what was his name alumas she answered and if it had not been for his exceeding pride he was of great prowess thus they proceeded till they reached the lady's castle who thankfully entertained them because they had delivered her nieces from alumas and the kinsmen who had forcibly and dishonorably detained them galor and florestan proceeded till they reached the kingdom of sobradisa and there heard the joyful tidings of what their brother and agrayes had done they hastened to the city and went immediately to the palace where amadis and his cousin now whole of their wounds were conversing with the new queen amadis from the damsel who had guided galor knew who they were and went to welcome florestan with tears of joy embracing and kissing him who would have knelt before him but when briolania saw four such knights in her palace and recollected how powerful she now was and how lately she had lived not without fear in a single castle she knelt down and thanked the most high for the mercy he had vouchsafed her of a truth sirs said she these changes are the work of him before whom the mightiest are nothing but for this dominion and this wealth which we suffer so much anxiety and trouble to gain and having gained to keep would it be better as being neither certain nor durable in themselves and as things superfluous and destructive to the body and moreover to the soul would it be better to reject and abhor them certainly i say no and affirm that when they are gained with a good conscience and justly administered we may enjoy from them comfort and pleasure and joy in this world and everlasting glory in the next here endeth the first book of the noble and virtuous knight amadis of gaul